Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 5th. It's five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. That is Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. I'm Casey Daniels. You can find me there, Casey Daniels 317. Of course, we're both on YouTube right now if you type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. I was going to lead with the Kevin McCarthy thing, mm-hmm. but now you got me fired up because we started talking about it during the break, and we've yeah. got to just talk about what a complete idiot John Mellencamp is. Oh, you just want to go straight to that I, I story? Just, I, I, you got me fired <laughs> up because you mentioned it. And look, here, okay, so John Mellencamp, so Bill Maher has two sort of media apparatus. He's got his traditional real-time with Bill Barr, which is an HBO program. We've played clips on that for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And now he's got some sort of podcast thing where it's like him sitting down in well, what appears lots of vices at people's disposal. And yeah, they just kinda... smoking and drinking. It's called Club Random Podcast. Okay, very good. And they just sit and shoot the breeze. It's obviously much less structured than his, mm-hmm. um, you know, Real Time with Bill Maher TV show. And Mellencamp was on the podcast. And here's what I've always said about John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp pains me because I want to cheer for John Mellencamp but he makes it almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is John Mellencamp had an incredible gift that John Mellencamp had an ability to capture the plight of people in a very specific set of circumstances who were largely before him, uh, not only were they not remembered, they were never thought of to begin with, and that heartland rock or whatever you want to kind of label it. Americana. Right. He really, really, I mean, you think about like. He he, captured it. He was more than a Mm singer-songwriter in the sense of there had been lots of singer-songwriters before that. But if you look at like, let's just take Springsteen. It was largely the coast because that's where he lived. He lived on the East Coast and then he moved out to the West Coast. So the, the plight of the working man for which he sang was different than the plight of the people that John Mellencamp sang about, even though their careers are sort of intertwined, et cetera. John Mellencamp wrote about people that you said here in Indiana, I know that person. I know who he, even though you mm-hmm. didn't actually know that person, you knew the person that he was talking about. And John Mellencamp, well, I never thought he had a lot of depth to his albums, I felt in the songs that mattered, there were always one or two lines where you would say, oh my gosh, that is spellbindingly good and spellbindingly mm-hmm. accurate. You know, like what's the line in Pink Houses where they said when you're younger, boy, you're going to be president, and then the pause, but just like everything else, those old crazy dreams kind of came you. and went. That's every kid who grew up in a small town hey you're going to do something great hey you're going to be something Mm -hmm. big hey you're going to be the one who busts out who gets free who does something big and then it very rarely ever happens and that's the reality of living and so you want to cheer for the guy who wrote about the people you knew who wrote so eloquently about the people you knew but the guy is just a complete a-hole Casey he Uh, makes it impossible here is the problem with this he's sitting down to do an interview and it's not 
completely about his music. Yeah. We're not talking about your influences and where were you when you wrote this song and what were you going through in your life and what was the inspiration, blah, 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 blah. In his music, at least you're led to believe, he has sauced it out. Yeah. Right? You mean like there's a vetting process. Right. right. Like the lyrics that you're talking about, uh, that word doesn't work. Let's scratch that one sure. out and replace it with this word. And at the end, you have a nicely produced piece of music that has been thought through. Yeah. That's not the case with this interview, so it- which just makes him look so well, and so the, you just hit on a great point, and you have interviewed, I know, many, many, many musicians over the years. And what I think you hit the nail on the head with what you find is in the confines and the parameters in which they are forced to work inside of that musical vetting bubble, mm-hmm. they are effective in, in the message they wish to relay because they have other people who have a financial interest in their success, <laughs> keeping them mm-hmm. it, to steal to make sure to steal a phrase from from this show and Hammer and Nigel, they don't go off the rails. Yeah, right. It's exactly. One, like behind the scenes here, one of the reasons Rob works with women is because our management recognizes who I am, <laughs> and I really need a psycho whisperer, a, a, a woman to balance out the tempo and mm-hmm. the mood of the show and in Casey is very very good at that otherwise while it might be wildly entertaining Alex Jones is wildly entertaining in two or three minute increments too you can't have a madman <laughs> babbling incoherently for for three hours mm-hmm. it's like seeing the the nine-legged man at the circus it's cool to see it once but that doesn't you're not going to sell tickets every day so the premise is casey or mock before casey Mm -hmm. was the balancing act because somebody else has got to give me an ability to take a breath and Mm -hmm. refocus my thoughts mellencamp and these singer songwriters a lot of these guys are not actually overly bright people they have this incredible gift like you said in the confines and the parameters where there are record companies and there are executives and there are managers and there's there are producers. right there's yes. other people and even if there isn't other people and it's just them in a room with a piece of paper or a napkin where they've jotted down the first inspiration right it takes time. Like I said, they're gonna they're gonna think it through. They're gonna sauce out the message right until it's mm, chef's kiss, yeah. and then it's released to the masses. This was not thought out. He sounds like he is winging it. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll let's just play it. So this is yeah. this is Mar and Mellencamp going back and forth, and it's so bad that. Bill Maher is desperately trying to save him and interject. I'm not even going to tell you. I just want everybody to hear it for themselves, and then we'll get into it. It is that bad. There's no way to properly tee this up. Let's just go. That's white people love to have black people entertain us. I would say that the playing fields are a lot better than the cotton fields. That's what I would say about that. Maybe I'm crazy, John, but it seems like making no money as a slave picking cotton was, it was not as good as playing left field for the Yankees. I mean, I'm sure there were, uh, you know, reasons why Dave Winfield has some beefs against Steinbrenner, I'm sure. No doubt there is one or two percent of black people in America who have a better life. Oh, stop. That's what you think? One or two percent? Okay, let's say 10 percent. I'm just pulling a number out of my ass. It is. That's where it belongs. Okay, I just pull a number out of my ass. I know, but I'm telling you, that's that's just not true. 
So he, so Mellencamp was trying to say essentially that black people, the majority of black people are worse off today mm-hmm. than in the days of slavery. Yeah. And he was talking specifically, they got a conversation about professional athletes and how they're treated and, you know, various different controversies that have happened. And it is like, you can see Mar. The re- Mar's reaction is like, dude, you are my guest here, and I'm trying to treat you with kindness as my mm-hmm. very famous guest that I yeah. depend on for this thing to exist. But wow, you're insane. Right. He has, that is not, that's all emotion is what he's talking sure about. Sure it is. There is zero facts there. For him to say one to two percent, and he pulled it out of his backside. Yeah, he sounded, was he drunk when he said that? <laughs> I mean, that's, you just embarrassed all Hoosiers. Thank you, John Mellencamp. I mean, how condescending and racist was that? Yes, that's the point to tell a black person that they are worse off today Mm -hmm. than they were during slavery Mm -hmm. is so insulting to what those people went through during slavery. Let's let's just, let's go back to some facts really quick. (laughs) 50% of black men now make more than $50,000 a year. 20% make over $100,000 a year. We've had a black president, the current uh, secretary, black president, black secretary of state, uh, leader of the Democratic National Party, pretty much, Hakeem Jeffries, right? Black guy. Black mayors in Chicago, Atlanta, LA, New York. Um, Supreme Court. There's two uh, black people on the Supreme Court. Correct. Um, City Corps, Time Warner, American Express. Heck, this company, Radio yes, One, that owns this radio station, black CEOs. That's correct. So, it is, okay, this is, and this is an interesting thing because, uh, <laughs> well, first of all, let me ask you. Why would he even say l- that? Let me ask you this. <laughs> doesn't it, when you hear him say this, doesn't it ruin the music for you? Yes, because I love his music. But you realize how stupid the person behind it was. I want him to stop talking. Just sing. Play and sing. That's what I want from you. You know, I mean, it was what, back in November, he he faced all that backlash because he was sitting down during the national sure. anthem, at right? At the Colts game. Yeah, at the yes. Colts game. Um, just, just play the songs. That's what we want from you. Stay in your lane. Uh, so, He's been political for years, though. Well, he has, and that's and that's people. Everybody is entitled to their political opinion. But what you have, I mean, and he's so rich, and he, you know, whatever Mellencamp is, he's seventy-one now. I think I'm sure he just absolutely does not care that hey, Rob Kendall, is, that you're ruining the experience for Rob Kendall. I'm sure he just absolutely does not care whatsoever, and that's fine. But. We, we, our voice represents the voice of tens of thousands of people who don't have this platform. And I guarantee you, Casey, they hear that and think the exact same thing, which is, first of all, that's beyond ignorant. Mm -hmm. Second of all, that's beyond offensive. And third of all, it's beyond stupid (laughs) when even Bill Maher is like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought Maher's eyes were going to pop out of his head and then to admit well i'm just making up numbers yeah i just pulled it out of my my behind well that's not something you should just make up numbers about right (laughs) he's trying to he's trying to back up his emotion but he doesn't have the facts to back up his emotion with yeah it's just it's just it's really 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 it just breaks my heart because you want to cheer for the hometown guy of course you do you want to cheer in many ways because you feel like you're cheering for the people that he wrote about but Yikes. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> Stick to singing. It is 17 minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The world is what you make it, baby. 19 minutes after 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So there is a legal debate going on about whether or not Donald Trump should be allowed to appear on the 24 ballot, making its way all the way to the Supreme Court. It is John Castro versus Donald Trump going to the justices, and uh, they're, they're going to decide on this, uh, they say, before October 9th. And people better wake up on this, because even in New Hampshire, if this thing, which it looks like he's going to be allowed to stay, most legal scholars say it's not going to fly. But you are already seeing a coordinated effort by the Secretary of States in many of these swing states where the Democrats control Pennsylvania, Michigan, to now push this thing forward to try to keep him off, off the, the ballot. ballot. I mm-hmm. mean, so people better wake up on this. This is not some fringe thing. There, there. You're starting to see emails go out, public statements go out, in which there is a calculated effort amongst these various, especially Secretary of States, to try to keep Donald Trump. I mean, they will not stop, Casey. Like they are officially. I will not be ignored, Dan. Rabbit on the <laughs> on the boiling stove. I mean, these people are. Boy, they're they're in need of some some serious counseling and guidance. Well, this goes back to we heard the clip earlier from Bill Maher earlier in the show where he was talking about how Donald Trump's a criminal. And I mean, they believe that they truly believe that whether, you know, before these court cases are even finalized. Yeah. And so um, Chris Sununu, who is uh, the Republican governor of New Hampshire, a very famous family. His father was a famous politician. His brother was a famous politician. I mean, it's just like nepotism right you know, right down the line. Um, he was on Meet the Press and um, got asked about something that we've talked about quite a bit. Now, look, there's really two ways. <laughs> it's interesting. There's two ways I think you can address the issues with Trump. And one is the way we do it, which says, look, here's the data. Here's what polling data shows. Here's what the actual election results have shown. And now we're going to give you our take on what that information is. And you can move forward with it however you see fit. Or then there's the leap forward, which is these maniac, never-Trumper people who just loathe him with the fury of, you know, a thousand sons Mm -hmm. and just are totally anti-Trump. I'm anti-Marxist and communist running my country, Casey. Mm-hmm. I, th- that's all I'm anti. I'm anti-Marxist and communist making making choices, and I have very big concerns that if Donald Trump is the face of the Republican Party, that Marxists and communists will continue to win elections. Uh, Sununu was asked about underperforming Republicans because of Trump, and here's what he had to say. It's, it's, it's about the former president more than anything. And I can tell you, I've had school board members uh, that can, Republican school board members that have lost their seats because they felt like they had to constantly answer for being a, a Trump Republican and all of that. It's a it's a negative brand. It puts a lot of hesitation. So it isn't just the federal seats. It's the governorships, the school boards, the congressional seats, all of them, especially here in a place like New Hampshire, where, um, you know, we can kind of go back and forth. We're very independent minded. Right. Uh, the, the Trump brand just doesn't work. It, it really does 
doesn't. And so to kind of clear that off the table once and for all is a huge opportunity for Republicans to to get back uh, elected officials where their policy matters most. He's saying the Trump brand doesn't work. Has he seen a poll lately? Well, it works in a Republican primary. And so this is the point, though. And now, look, he's a never Trumper. So that's why I, try, I was trying to preface this conversation we're about to have. I don't think he's wrong. I think he's wrong in the reason he goes about it. Like, he just hates Trump. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's got, oh, my gosh, I'm so invested in, you know, the Republican. He hates Trump, and he's looking for this as a way to try to get people to his side. But I don't think he's wrong in the sense of it is Trump's got a lot of negatives that come with him. And you can agree those are right or wrong, but I'm telling you, and Casey's telling you, that data point after data point, now you can believe every data point is flawed and you can believe it's all a giant conspiracy or you can believe, hey, look, right or wrong, here's how, same reason people have issues with Biden, they have issues with Trump. Mm -hmm. And if you remove Trump from the equation, and I'm not suggesting you put Chris Christie as the nominee, I'm saying if you put a traditional conservative in that position, which will give you what you claim to want anyway, but take the name Trump away, then you're probably more likely to win and your down ballot candidates are, are more are more likely to win. It doesn't seem like people care, though. Yeah. It, 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 and that's why I just kind of, I, I felt for a while, it was like, oh my gosh, if we just walk people through it, they're going to come to the logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't really care, Casey, because as I've said, I anticipate whoever the nominee is will let me down anyway, because that's what Republicans do. So I'm not <laughs> telling you this as someone who's, oh my gosh, Rob is totally in the tank for so-and-so, and he's so, no, I assume they're all going to screw me. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm just telling you the reality, and this guy, well, he's a nut, what, what he's, a never-Trump nut, what he's saying is probably true in the sense of Trump no longer gives you the ability for Trump to talk about his vision for the country. Everything with Trump is a defensive posture of we've got to get even. Mm-hmm. We've got to screw those guys because they screwed us. Vengeance, grievances. Do you have any idea right now what Donald Trump's platform other than drill, baby, drill is? No. And I've mentioned that before because even, even 2% Mike Pence has put out a pretty extensive energy policy. You have to give someone a reason to vote for you. I will tell you this as winning multiple elections, either I've run or been the candidate for, undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I once got spent, uh, outspent 100000 to 3000 in one. So messaging matters, right? And one of the big parts of messaging is not just why the other guy is flawed. That's a big part of it, especially if you're running, if you're David running against Goliath. But you also have to tell the people what you're running for, what you are for. And when people know what you are for and how there's a way to accomplish the things they want accomplished, then they'll feel better about you ripping on the other guy. Casey, if I were ever, if I suffered some sort of very serious head injury and uh, had amnesia or whatever and could be convinced to run for public office again, it would shock people how positive my actual campaign would be. Now, would we do nicknames? Yes. Would we make sure everybody <laughs> knew who the other people were in their record? Yes. But the majority of the time would be positive because people ultimately want to feel good. Mm-hmm. It's like buying a washer and dryer or a bed or anything else. You're just buying a politician. You want to feel good about your choice and feeling good about your choice is a vision people can see on what you will accomplish. And Trump is not offering that. And he offered that in 2015 and 16. He's not offering that now. Right. But there's people that are so loyal to him, they won't turn their back on him. And 
Chris Christie, you mentioned him. I what is he offering other than I'm not Trump? That's why he's at one percent or two percent mm-hmm. or whatever it is, because right. there's only hate only takes you so far. Hate can hate can only bring you to a certain level. And then ultimately, and there will be people who vote out of hate. There will be people who vote because they despise Biden or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. But the middle margins, the people who usually decide the elections, they're looking to feel good. It's why they don't like Trump. They don't feel good about him. And you can think that's stupid. I do. I don't need to like my president. I don't need to hang out with my president. I don't need to read his Twitter because none of that affects me. But there are people who vote that way, Casey, and Mm -hmm. Trump is not offering any vision of what he intends to do for this country right now and he should be because he has the ability to actually be a sympathetic figure you're listening to kendall and casey on 93 wibc whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about kaskali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if kaskali is right for you Eleven thirty-one. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. Let's talk about uh, what Tulsi Gabbard said. She was blasting the Associated Press, calling them the Associated Propaganda, uh, saying that they're inserting their opinions into reporting. And this is what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. No way. She said the AP used to report facts, and now they're reporting bias. Look, they've always been biased. I think it's just a new level of, you know, it's it's like if you have a basketball game and you have a referee who's bet on the outcome of the game. I mean, that's what this is. You have many, many people working at, no, not, of course, not everyone. There are still some fine journalists out there, but you see this in all sorts of publications. I mean, why is the, the why is the stars subscription base cratered? Because you have people who are supposed to be reporting the news who are cheerleading for mm-hmm. an outcome in many cases. I mean, how do you ask Joe Hogsett, hey, what do you think about the people who say you disappeared during the riots and you get that stupid, bizarro non-answer and then there's no follow-up mm-hmm. question? Mm-hmm. Because you don't actually want to know where he was during the riots. And so this happens all the time in media where it's it's not an umpire calling balls and strikes fairly because you have an umpire who's essentially bet on the outcome of the outcome of the game. They're invested in many of these journalists are invested in the outcome of the event. So they're not going to report it to you accurately. Well, and most of uh, many of these platforms, do they want to be able to control the message or do they want money? I mean, these owners. No, I, I, well, there's look, the ideal, the, uh, Ideology mm-hmm. is clearly far more important than um, running a business. Look at the financial state that the star and the company that owns them is in. Or the Washington Post. Well, sure. Yeah. Because people don't, you have alienated, 100% alienated your 50, 50% of your potential consumer base mm-hmm. because people are not going to read what they know is absolute garbage. People will tolerate an opinion page. You know, it used to be, Here's the news page, and we know a bunch of you are mostly Democrats, but at least you guys fake it and do a reasonably decent job of reporting on the news. Okay, cool. And here's the opinion page. Oh, look, there's that left-wing lunatic. I can just skip past him and get back to reading my story about City Hall or, you know, the Congress or depending on what paper you're reading. That doesn't exist anymore. You have people actively invested in an outcome that are supposed to be giving you the ABCs 
of what's happening. Jim Merritt, he posted something. It was about in the past week. He posted something on Twitter that he had the newspaper and he was enjoying the morning news and I thought you're the one you're the one it made me nostalgic for just a minute to read a newspaper and then I thought nah it It, it passed quickly and here's the problem and and well there's many problems but here's the biggest problem with the death of the news industry is that now you have no one watching the hen house Mm -hmm. like I, I think about one of the reasons governance especially at a local level especially at a local level has gotten so bad is because these people who are in these, whether it's town, you know, town councils or school boards or whatever, they don't fear being called out because if you're lucky, if you're lucky, there might be one County paper. Casey, I live in one of the largest counties in the state of Indiana. There is no, Actual now, there is a a newspaper in Danville that does their best to cover, but there is no like there used to be the Hendricks County Flyer. Mm-hmm. So there's the Republican newspaper in Danville, and they do their best, but it's a very shoestring, you know, in terms of staffing, etc. There's no way they can be at six different town council meetings. There's no way they can do any sort of investigative mm-hmm. reporting. Mm-hmm. So these politicians, and I, I'm using the county in which I live, go. What do I have to worry about? It's right. not like the new, the news is going to be here. You know, something monumental would have to happen for the news to act like the Indianapolis to be here and cover us. So Rob's going to bitch about us on Facebook. Ooh, <laughs> you know, we're, of course, we're going to kick him out of the meeting or weaponize the police against him. But ooh, there's ultimately they don't fear anything. When I was when I first got started in this and I'll, I'll use this as an example of how the death of of a lack of covering local. And so you could apply this to state outs. You could apply this to your city council meetings. You could apply it to your county council meetings. When I first got started at the local level, there was a newspaper in Brownsburg. It was called the Brownsburg Week. Mm-hmm. And this guy literally, he was an old guy, printed it. He owned the gas house in Brownsburg. And he printed it in from the gas house. Like he would put on this old computer program and it wasn't even a newspaper like newspaper. It was like paper that was basically like stapled together at the local printing shop. But I'm telling you, Casey, people waited every Monday for that thing to be dropped off at the flapjacks or wherever else it was, because that dude would rip somebody's ass when they pulled bull crap in the town. And people feared that guy mm-hmm. and they feared being in that paper. Mm-hmm. And so the decision because he was holding them yes, accountable and it was some, yeah. some, crazy kooky wacky old guy printing his newspaper in the gas house and but there's that doesn't exist anymore so when we talk about the death of the indie star i would love for the star to succeed because i would love more people to be down at 200 west washington investigating the bull crap that's going on hey randy fry just suddenly quits and cites whatever it was health reasons or family reasons what were they don't know nobody's held him down on it this guy chip perfect who's Mm -hmm. a state senator Mm -hmm. conveniently just quit Mm -hmm. he just got reelected. why'd you quit don't know. There's nobody there to ask him. And these people just skate off into the sunset. Yeah. Well, investigative reporting is expensive is and it's hard as well because they could chase that story forever. And you know what? Ask the question and get some word salad. But you got to have the chops to follow up. Right. And, and look, I mean, nobody is, Im- is immune from this. There was times where WIBC used to have somebody planted down 
at the state house the reality of budgets etc mm-hmm. is it doesn't exist and don't kid yourself these guys and girls down the street from us they know that they know that they know it it's why they do the stuff they do because what's going to happen to them rob and casey are going to go on here and rip somebody's ass and then that's going to be the end of it there <laughs> is no follow-up on this stuff and so my point on to come full circle on all of this indie star has needlessly isolated pissed off alienated half their audience, which is half the potential consumer base, which Mm -hmm. is people who don't want your product, aren't going to pay money for your product, which means you have to make cuts other places, Mm -hmm. which means you don't have the people doing the stuff, which people like me would love to read. I would love, love, love for the indie star to call it right down the middle and totally have your opinion page where you have all the left-wing people you want. And I know if I'm reading the star, I'm going to get people that are working their behinds off down at the statehouse to uncover the bull crap. Because you know what? I hate all these people equally. I'd love to read about them. Uh, Call holding the Republicans accountable. But do it to the Democrats too. Find out where Joe Hogsett was during the riots. But they can't because they cannibalize themselves. And here's Tulsi Gabbard. She's talking about uh, the media and it's a Democrat elitism and uh, the American people, they're treating American people like fools. I know you remember as well as I do back when the AP was a trusted news source that would objectively just report the news, just report information. They have now become the associated propaganda, seeing how they're inserting their political bias and political narrative, uh, writing pieces that sound a lot more like opinion pieces than they do just actually reporting the news, and especially in this situation, how offensive and egregious it is that they're exploiting this terrible tragedy to once again advance their own political agenda, which is completely aligned with the agenda of the Democrat elite. They don't care about the people. They don't care about information. They don't care about facts. They don't care about the consequences, the devastating and dangerous consequences of their actions. We, the American people, we just want information. We want these people to show us the respect of being intelligent human beings, adults. We have a will of our own. We can draw our own conclusions based on the facts that we receive but they don't see us as that. They disrespect us and our intelligence by by assuming that they can just feed us whatever propaganda they want and we're just going to soak it up. We're not that stupid. So reporting the news now comes through a filter, and that filter is the bias of the reporter or the writer or the publisher or the editor. And it's those things you have to pay attention, and it's very good. Read both sides. And the local media that exists largely is, you know, in your counties or your towns, it's – it's largely just fluff. It's a fear of alienating the decision makers or the movers and shakers because oftentimes they're the ones who also have businesses or whatever that advertise. You know who's done a phenomenal job actually of doing local reporting? That paper down in Columbus. The people who broke the Jim Lucas story, mm-hmm. the people who then found that apparently that wasn't Jim's first run in with driving while under the influence of some capacity. That's local journalism. That's the stuff you need. That, by and large, does not exist anymore because these county papers that do exist are so afraid of offending someone mm-hmm. that you're right. They're not doing the digging like that paper was there. We need that all over the place. And it does not exist at the state house. It does not exist at these county courthouses. And these people in local offices in statewide offices know it they don't fear the media anymore 
and they don't certainly fear investigative reporting anymore, and they just do whatever the hell they want. It is 1141. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Let's talk about Joe Biden for a second, because I we have to listen to this. He's talking about how he has no home to go to. <laughs> I can't go home home. I, imagine imagine being someone who lost their house in Maui mm-hmm. and you hear this guy because he's trying to explain because people are ripping him for being at his, his vacation home all the time. Again. And going, yeah, you know, all this private secure or this, well, not private, it's taxpayer, this even worse, taxpayer funded security that I have here. Oh, uh, yeah, they said uh, I can't go to my other house, so I got to go to my uh, vacation home. Mm-hmm. You know, I am just like you guys. Am I right or am I right? He's always the victim, isn't he? He can't go to his home home. <laughs> the very last thing he said, he's got a couple to choose from his home home oh and and keep in mind when he's not on one of his vacation tours 40 percent of the time he's at the white house everything he has has been given to him by someone else everything he has has been given to him by the taxpayers or he's grifted his way into a book deal based on grifting off the taxpayers the guy is absolutely pathetic okay so there's this new uh figure revealing that 1.2 million u.s born workers lost their jobs last month and they were replaced by foreign-born staff. Isn't that, um, it is a a staggering statistic that, like you said, Casey, you have had 1.2 million U.S. workers Mm -hmm. lose their job last month. We're Mm -hmm. not talking about, hey, over the course of the whole year. Right. And 700, nearly 700,000 non-U.S.-born workers were given those jobs. Between this, these statistics like this And the rise of automation and AI, Mm -hmm. you are seeing literally in front of us the death of the American worker. But I thought Joe Biden told us he he created all of those jobs, right? Yeah, all the good union jobs. Mm Mm-hmm. He was celebrating that on Labor Day, wasn't he? Okay, it is uh, 1144 and uh, coming up, did you hear about that flight? What flight? The dirty flight, the stinky flight, the crappy flight. I know you don't like to fly, but I've got one more reason to keep you out of the airport. And that is coming up next with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Constantly amazed by the blades of the fan on the ceiling. The clever little glances she gives 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey show. My name is Casey. Rob is here. Rob, I know you don't like to fly, right? No, I hate to fly. I've got another reason why you would absolutely hate flying, and it's a real crappy situation. You are saying beyond the fact that it is a giant death tube, Mm -hmm. and I have absolutely no control over it whatsoever, and I am totally at the mercy of someone else? Yeah, I've got another reason you'll hate it. Oh, great. Very good. Okay, there, there was this flight. It was a Delta flight. Uh-huh. It was going from Atlanta to Barcelona. It was forced to turn around and make an emergency landing. Oh, no. Why? Because a passenger had, quote, diarrhea all over the plane. Uh, huh? <laughs> exactly. A Delta flight forced into an emergency landing because one of the passenger has diarrhea. Okay, so I have so many questions about right. this. Right, okay. Number one, does it say how far into the flight it 
it was. Uh, it was it was not far. Okay. I mean, you have to imagine that's that's a decent flight, Atlanta to Barcelona. Boy, right? it sure sounds like that's it. When a few hours. Yeah, you're going over a, a giant body of water that mm-hmm. absolutely. Now, okay, so at least at least at least you weren't halfway over the Atlantic Ocean when this unfortunate set of circumstances occurred. So at least you had that going for you. Yes. Now, can you imagine being the person sitting next to the person with the explosive? Uh, okay, well, that's part of the problem. Apparently, uh, the crew said that it was a biohazard. <laughs> and when they phoned it in, they said, we have a passenger who's had diarrhea all the way through the airplane. Wow. Like, just stay in your seat. It's bad enough just stay in your seat, but I don't know what they were doing running up and down the aisle. Well, that begs the question, right? Yeah. What, what, how do you get diarrhea all throughout the airplane? <laughs> I guess trying to go back to the bathroom or up to the bathroom. Uh-huh. I don't know. I've had delayed flights or canceled flights, but never diarrhea all over the plane flights. Getting on an airplane... <laughs> Is and look, God bless the people who are pilots. You are and stewardesses and are they called stewards if they're men? Flight attendants. Flight attendants. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So, excuse me. I'm probably going to get canceled now. Uh, <laughs> you know, God bless all those people because there's many people who depend upon air travel to run business and mm-hmm. commerce mm-hmm. and uh, feed a nation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, g- great, great for those people. We love you. However, that seems like one of the most. I mean, just. If you were to say, Rob, what are the things that you dread the absolute most? Getting on an airplane because you are stuck. Mm-hmm. You are stuck in that thing. Yes. From the moment it goes up until the moment it comes down. Mm-hmm. You're at totally at the mercy of someone else. And in this Casey, case, Casey, see what I did there? In yeah. this case, Casey, yeah. you are at the mercy of some guy with explosive diarrhea. Okay, now I've had to go before. And let's be honest, we've all been sick. We've had a moment, right? But I've never had a land this plane now, emergency landing sort of diarrhea. And one other thing I wanted to bring to your attention. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to spell diarrhea? Yes, thank you. (laughs) Like, that's a spell check only word, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's several H's in there. Like, if I tested you right now, you probably couldn't spell it, could you? Okay, let me take a shot at it. Are you ready? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure I'm not going to get anywhere close. Let's try. D I A R Uh huh A No Is there is that where the H is? Yeah. Is the H next? Yeah. Is there two H's? There's two R's. You see, you cannot spell diarrhea. D I A H R No D I A R H No D I A R R R. Oh, there's two R's. That's yes. where the two R's. So D I A R R H Uh huh. E A? Yes. There so D I A R R H E A. Yes, I told you that's that's a spell check only word. Did you it's like just get close and let spell check fix it. Do you ever ponder how those kids get all those words right at the spelling bee? Have you ever done that? You ever watched the it's National hard. Spelling Bee? Yes. Yes. Uh do you need it in a sentence? land this plane now i have explosive diarrhea (laughs) by the way the passengers on that flight they did end up getting to their final destination eight hours later oh very good very (laughs) good well completely different plane count me the hell out of ever getting on an airplane that goes uh over uh, the atlantic ocean and on that note uh it's time for us to go (laughs) (laughs) oh i see what you did there that's 
just the best. <laughs> thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kylan. And thank you for listening today. We're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.